0: Hey, this is Spanner for the Spanner Rig Show. We have a monster episode here on episode 10. We have Katrina Christensen, the Democratic Senate candidate for the state of North Dakota. And we're going to dive into some North Dakota sports, some little tier systems, a lot of how to build a high school program. Here we go. Hey, this is Spanner from the Spanner Rig Show. We're here with Congressional Senate candidate Katrina, Katrina Christensen. Katrina, how you doing?
1: I'm doing very well. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. It's, I'm always doing good if we get to talk some sports. And, uh, you know, uh, you must have it going through your blood. You're from, uh, you said Penner, Nebraska, and you are a Husker. Is that right? I am. And, yes, uh, yes. So, so tell us, you true, got true. Scott Frost up or down? Are you uh, in favor of uh, what he's doing, or uh, you love Scott Frost? Yeah, I think
1: I, you know, I uh, I have a very dear relative that's a, a Buff fan, and so the rivalry between Nebraska and Colorado, you know, has waned a little bit, mostly since Nebraska left the Big Twelve. Um, but, you know, we still, we spend a lot of time uh, discussing uh, Scott Frost and uh, the, the trajectory of the Nebraska football team. And I would have to say all last fall, every time that Nebraska almost
0: won, um, you know, right?
1: yeah. was, <laughs> they almost won a lot, um, which means that they lost a lot. <laughs> but a true fan never stops believing And, you know, when I look at the defense, I mean, you just go back to that Ohio State game. You know, they kept Ohio State below, was it 23 points for the first time in like five years? I mean, that is no small feat. Um, And I I think, you know, defense wins games, right? They just need to figure out what kind of, you know, offense they're going to run. When I was an undergrad at the University of Nebraska, But back in the early 2000s, um, we had this guy, this coach Callahan, and he was going to bring in this West Coast offense. And, you know, Nebraska had previously always had a quarterback that could run the option. Right. And Callahan was going to bring this in and it was going to, you know, make Nebraska, I don't know, maybe like an SEC school or something crazy like that. And they dropped off on their in-state recruiting and just program essentially started to to fall apart, I mean, you know, and then you had Pellini who was temperamental, but I think skilled, right? And then they brought in Mike Riley, who was milk toast. You know, he just, I don't <laughs> think he could inspire anybody to win a game, you know, and I, look, I mean, it, again. It, it's I, a little,
0: know. it's a little deeper than that. I don't know if you've looked at the okay. numbers, but when you, when they moved from the Big 12 to the Big 10, every year their, their Texas recruits got divided by two. So they went from like 46 to 23 to 12 to six to four or something, and you know, in Texas, that's that's blue blood for college football recruiting. Uh, but you're right, sure. Callahan yeah, was brutal. I, I was at the Cotton Bowl game when Callahan they played Auburn. <laughs> you have some ties to Auburn, and oh. uh, so do you remember the Cotton well, Bowl? Well, I
1: don't have any ties there. <laughs> I mean, I just we you know we lived in Auburn. My husband worked there. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a beautiful campus. Yeah.
0: So Auburn versus uh, Nebraska at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, and uh, the, Auburn couldn't move the ball at all, at all. And uh, Nebraska led, uh, I think, 7 to nothing or something. And uh, it was like the late third quarter, early fourth quarter. They had 4th and 10 on their own 20, and Callahan called a fake punt. <laughs> they got smashed on their own two-yard line, so Auburn scored on the next play. And then Auburn scored on, on a fourth-quarter drive to win it, And it was like twelve to seven or fourteen to seven or something. The interesting thing is, Auburn didn't get a first down on any drive except for that fourth quarter drive. And had he not gone for it on fourth down, I don't know that. I think they Nebraska wins seven to zero or ten to zero or something. But uh, you know, uh, so I know the pains of Callahan. Although I'm a Cowboys fan, and Callahan was our offensive line coach. And as an offensive line coach, he's been probably top three ever in the NFL. Every time he's ascended to a coordinator or a head coaching position, his team's gone down. But every time he's been an offensive line coach, the team has gone up. And the Great Wall of Dallas of the 90s, and then they have the Great Wall of Dallas now, uh, it was rebuilt by uh, Callahan. But uh, you're right, though. Um, He was the beginning of the end of Nebraska. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> and that, and that, and and so then that brings us back to Scott Frost coming in in 2018 and you know look I mean he had he had a terrific run at that school in Florida um I think that one of the things even my dad right my dad is like you know he's he's 70 and he's seen Devani and obviously the majority of his life was Tom Osborne I mean there aren't many people like Tom Osborne and it's hard to follow in those footsteps, but Tom Osborne had, you know, I forget how many years under Devaney to be able to learn um, and and have an infrastructure in order to be successful. So sometimes when I see my fellow Nebraska fans um, not being patient, not giving him time to grow um, is something that I, I, I struggle with. And that's why, you know, when when you reached out to me and I said, I feel like it's me and Scott Frost versus the world. You know, it's just, it's about seeing the things that he has done really well. And then giving him the room to to be able to be successful in those other areas. You know, I I really do think he'll he'll find his footing and it will be impressive when he does. I mean, we have these quarterbacks that have come in from the transfer transfer portal that want to work hard. And um, I think that that's that's really uh, you know great for the team, and you know much like uh, you were saying about you know your your team, the Cowboys had, needing an offensive line. When I was a kid during the '90s, Nebraska you know had three national titles, right? And the offensive line, they had some big dudes, right, that kn- knew how to keep the quarterback safe. So I'm I'm hopeful that they'll. They'll figure that out and um you know we'll we'll have a good season coming into this next year but uh speaking you know, of think,
0: national think... titles games in Nebraska and the buffaloes you brought the buffaloes up now did now Colorado I seem to remember putting a sixty drop on Nebraska on uh was it was like the Friday after Thanksgiving or something uh and then it seemed like nine things had to happen after that for Nebraska to uh, to make the national title because Colorado went on to the Big 12 title game or the Big 8 title game, whatever it was then. And uh, all nine things fell into place for them, and then Nebraska went to the national title game. Uh,
1: did they uh, deserve to go or yeah. did they not
0: deserve to go? <laughs>
1: Oh, I I I mean I'm always going to side with them deserving to go. I mean look at Colorado's program now. I mean yes they did beat Nebraska, but anybody can beat Nebraska. You just have to play along. So um, you know I I think back in the '90s when you look at Nebraska's um, stats from the '90s they were they were pretty phenomenal. You know the running backs, the quarterbacks. I mean geez I forget the year that Tommy Frazier had blood clots. You know the second string quarterback was that Eric Crouch? I I'm getting them mixed up now, but it just seemed to be like, even, even the third string Lawrence was really Phillips, phenomenal. So
0: probably like one of the Lawrence best
1: Phillips probably would have been the greatest running back of all time. Had he had the mental health care resources, um, available to him that, you know, we, we try to make available to our student athletes today. I just, I look back at his, his career and phenomenal rushing. I'm just, it's it's really sad. I think he was probably, you know, like Auburn had Bo Jackson, right? I mean, probably one of the greatest natural athletes of all time, right? Yeah,
0: you got Bo Jackson, um, Urshel Walker, Lawrence Phillips, Reggie Bush. You know, that's probably your your big four, Jim Brown. Um, let me yeah, ask you he this just one. Didn't... I got one for you here. I'm going to put you on the spot. If Nebraska played the Bison... This fall, who's gonna win? Who would win? Not who you'd go for. Who would win?
1: <laughs> well, I think that the Bison should play. D. I mean, they should should be playing the big teams. Um, I think if they were to play last year's Nebraska team, I think that the Bison would win. I'm not. You know, I'd like to hope that Nebraska would win. Um, but I, I think you know, geez, I watched a little bit of the championship game. Um, man, they're they're just scrappy and good you know no, they're good and they're, they're well motivated
0: coached. they don't uh they don't miss tackles very often they don't miss assignments very often um and when when someone gets hurt uh someone comes in and they know the role it's it's impressive what's going on at North Dakota State and it's like the third or fourth coach and all these runs and all the way to Gus Bradley was at North Dakota State and he went on was a defensive coordinator for the Seahawks you know uh but uh yeah <clears throat> So, my brother
1: and sister are NDSU grads. And so they're really like, it's interesting to me because we all grew up in Nebraska, but they are like, they wear green and yellow. And I'm always like, why are you wearing that? <laughs> Where's your red and white? Like I And I am the only UNL grad or the University of Nebraska grad in my, my sibling cohort. So, um, and then, you know, like, I'll be like, well, Nebraska won the National Women's Bowling Championship and they'll be like, "What?" And I'm like, "Yes, they they won."
0: They won you know, so, uh, volleyball, uh, yeah. right? Volleyball, they're really good.
1: Well, they are phenomenal, right? They have five national championships. They're with amazing in volleyball. They would they they just barely lost to uh, Wisconsin in the the national. Ch- they came in as the number ten seed. Um, into the tournament yeah. this last December. And I mean, you watch them play Texas and Pitt and you are watching one of the best volleyball teams um, in Nebraska's history. It just wasn't good enough in that game against Wisconsin. Uh, John Cooks, the coach, and he, in the press conference afterward, took took responsibility for, you know, the, the rotation up against Wisconsin. And he, he said he should have up, done something differently. Which I, I wanted to bring up about Scott Frost uh, that brings me back to like good coaching right and being a professor right now and teaching student athletes one of the things that you know um, Scott Frost said last fall was to you know during a press conference that they're they're just kids and they're gonna make mistakes you know and um, and when I see a coach owns some losses themselves and doesn't put it on the players but you know or or it calls out the fact that they're human right and they're not machines um i just i think that that's really brave right i mean you're you're pushing up against this narrative and um it it takes a special person to see the students as people um and so i i just i those two coaches i think are great for nebraska
0: so Jamestown, you guys got some stuff going on over there. Nick Becker's got uh, quite a solid uh, women's soccer team, and then uh, you guys uh, have a fantastic men's hockey team. Um, you get to see any of the Jimmy sports there while you're an instructor, professor?
1: I, I, I would say I have lots of student athletes. Um, normally, I follow what they're what they're doing, like the men's volleyball team. Was off to the NAIA uh, tournament on Sunday morning. Of course, you know we had a very uh, successful women's volleyball team and um, the the men's basketball team. Uh, you know, doing very well. I myself typically don't go to games, mostly because I'm already working there 40 hours a week or more. So, uh, but I I have um, wanted to. Uh, you know, I'm thinking, okay. Next year, I'm going to make time to do this. But I do um, ask the students quite a bit about, you know, their seasons and that sort of thing. We also have, you know, like a, a track team that's pretty active right now, and you know, um, uh, just what are their PRs? Talking to them about those sorts of things. So I enjoy having the student athletes in my class um, a lot because, you know, like you're a Cowboys fan, um, I'm a Packers fan. And so all last semester, right, we were talking about, you know, like I have lots of students are Raiders fans. I I don't get that. They'll, you know, they've got caps on for Raiders. I'm like, what? Why are you a Raiders fan? But I said early on last fall, I was like, Aaron Rodgers is going to be MVP. And they're like, no, he won't. There's no way. And I was right. He was. Even though his team lost, he was still MVP.
0: I'm so, surprised they let Devontae it's, Adams go. It's, it's kind of crazy. So, uh, I,
1: yeah, I uh, don't, I don't know how that's going to work out for them.
0: I don't, I couldn't, I can't, I can't even figure out like, uh, you know, and maybe we just don't know where Aaron Rodgers is coming from, but it seems like he wants more tools and then he signed for a bunch of more money and then, you know, uh, and maybe it's him. Maybe if he takes less money, they keep Devonte Adams. I I don't, I don't know. Uh, I can't figure out what's going on there with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, but it seems like they're one decision away from a Super Bowl title for like the last 20 years and they seem to make the wrong they decision. They need a
1: special teams coach that's <laughs> that knows what he's doing, I guess, or she. That was a, that was yeah. an interesting
0: one that blocked punt with the Niners uh you know uh but What
1: a crazy game.
0: Yeah, it's just one of those games where you let someone hang around and uh it's uh I mean, I coached for 25 years in college and I I know the the drill, if you don't put someone away and then one freaky thing can, uh, you know, can end your season. So, you know, one year we were the number one team in the nation and we were in the quarterfinals. Um, and it was early in the game and uh, we got called for offsides. And they so uh, they, they couldn't even cross the midline and they launched a ball into our box and uh, we cleared it. And it hit, the ball hit one of our own backs and went back into our net. And then the rest of the game, they just put 10 people in front of their goal. And <laughs> we just never scored. And at the time, we were 24-0-0 and on our way to a national title. <laughs> and, you know. Oh, my uh, gosh. Which was rough. But, you know, it um, happens. It's tough, too, because we had... Uh, we won the year before and we had most everyone back. So it was kind of, it was, it was rough, (laughs) but uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That does sound sucky,
0: you know? So, but I mean, that's just how it goes. I mean, you just let someone hang around in a freaky play. It just, it's just the same thing with the Niners and Packers. I mean, the Packers were definitively better clearly across the board, one freaky play and the Packers never got a first down after that, you know, I just no. unraveled the no. whole thing, so I I wouldn't be fair if I don't ask you, and I've asked, uh, you know, uh, Kelly Armstrong, Mark Hagen, and 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 Rich uh, Becker, um, you know, and, and I'll preface it. I'll say I don't really care about these faraway places, Seattle and L.A. and New York, and I'm sure you know what's coming, but I do care about North Dakota, and and I'm the voice of kind of North Dakota's people for sports you know uh uh my producer will sit there and we get like 35 emails a day or whatever about different sports all around the state and whatnot you know what is your feeling on transgender you know playing in the in against girls in sports and and, and don't, let, let me say I, i'm i i feel really like I I I shouldn't say I feel I, I have no idea what it's like to be maybe trapped in something that you don't feel is, is right. I I'm o i one hundred percent okay with the entire LGBTQ community and uh I would never vote to suppress any of that. But I do feel like when when we're talking about the purity of sports, that there's definitely I mean obviously Leah Thomas wins by uh, five seconds in the NCAA championships. It's kind of like a disparity. What's your feelings in North Dakota? North Dakota sports, you know, uh, you know, uh, on keeping title nine and the women's right to, to have their own division.
1: Well, you know, I think one, you're right. We have no idea what it's like to be a young person who is um, struggling or, or feels um, different than the way that we might see them. And so 100% we need to be behind um, those kids. Like we're behind all kids and making sure that they feel safe um, and comfortable and can be the best um, version of themselves that, that they want to be. And so I think, I think we definitely that's the thing that we need to be talking about the most we need to support these kids so that they're not harming themselves or you know um choosing to do something that can't be undone like um killing themselves and um i think that the the fear of 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 something that maybe some people are struggling to understand because it might it is difficult maybe for other people to understand that struggle is really driving, I think this discussion. And I think that, you know, if we were to remove the, the fear, right. The fear of the unknown or the, the hate of something that's different from yourself from the discussion of sports, right? Like I, I love women's sports. I, you know, typically will, when I'm running every day, I usually watch some Nebraska women's sports game. That's, you know, whatever I can find with them winning, I'm going to watch them do that, right? So I am um, a feminist. And I think that we, we need to make sure that we are supporting women in sports, mostly because it's really hasn't been along that, that long, right? It took us a really long time to be able to play basketball or to run in a, a marathon, right. Or to have teams at schools. I mean, even in the state, UND got rid of the women's hockey because they could. Right. And so I think it's, that it's we can, a lot more than that.
0: Do, I'll just tell you, title IX was passed in 72, 1972. Yeah. 50 with years 25 ago. years to comply. So it didn't comply until 1997. And 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 I'll tell you this, I got hired as a women's coach at, like, 22 years old ah. in college because they didn't care about the women's sport. They just put some kid in charge of it. And, uh, you know, uh, but when I look at, like, back in the 90s, girls were wearing the boys' hand-me-down jerseys. They didn't get new jerseys. Like, I don't think people realize it's that recent. Like, in 1994, well. in the towns I, you know, I grew up in, The girls were wearing these long jerseys on the girls' basketball games, and they were just last year's boys. It's really recent when they didn't get to compete. Um, I don't... Yeah, and 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 even last year's... To me, there's a small percentage of people that... A very small percentage of people, I think. uh, It's there, though, you're right, that hate hate on the unknown. And, And the world has been forever hating, you know, the minority different people. And that's, I mean, it's from the beginning of time, and it's just sad, you know, uh, part of human nature. Um, but it's, we've come so far in women's sports, you know. Uh, but not when it, far enough. You're right. You know,
1: like, look at last year's NCAA championship for the men and the women. We saw that athlete, was she from Washington, who was, you know, took the video of their weightlifting setup. It was like a bench and a set of weights and a yoga mat. I don't know. And their swag was, you know, orders of magnitude cheaper and and less cool than what the men were getting. So I actually think that we need to be having two conversations. One is how do we get equity in women's sports? And the other one is how do we appropriately support these trans athletes? So that they can be mentally healthy but that we can we can make sure that women's sports continues to progress towards equality right and so i don't think that they're they need to be um inversely proportional right and that one group wins and the other group loses we need to make it so that both groups win right and and that's really what what i what i see and and um, you know, I I really still feel like women's sports hasn't reached equality. And, you know, I mean, we I think it was there a a women's coach recently in football or was it baseball? I forgot what baseball was, the Yankees I saw a story yeah. about it.
0: Yeah, uh Yankees yeah, just yeah. Uh, yeah. And no, no, I agree. I agree one hundred percent. Part though is gonna have to come down to people watching and going to games because just a huge part of it is just the you know, it's it, whether the game is urgent, you know. Uh, as 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 the decades have moved on, urgency is the number one driving factor for whether a sport matters to to, to person. You know, uh, baseball has has dipped since the '90s because there's 162 games. <laughs> <laughs> and football well, and skyrocketed because and- there's 16 games, you know. Uh, and, and you know it's just basketball. People can not watch an NBA game until the last four minutes because NBA players take so many plays off. But when you hit that four minute, five minute park, the the, the urgency skyrockets in, in a basketball game. And if you watch a, a, a regular season basketball game, you know the score is 118 to 110. And then if you watch a postseason basketball game, the score is 90 to 88. So you can tell the urgency is ramped up from a lot earlier in, the, in, in, a, in a post-season right. game than a regular season game. And the same thing with uh, like uh, a football game. You know, uh, you're 17, 16, 17, 18 possessions in a regular season game. There's 12, 13, or 14 possessions in a postseason game. You know, the urgency's gone up. And then baseball is the exact same thing. You don't see all the bad pitchers. So, you know... The fourth inning with a guy on second obviously becomes way more important in a, in a, in a playoff game. For girls, sports, it's, it's going to take more people talking about it. Uh, if you watch my, uh, my TikTok show, the Spainer Riggs, you know, I got the TikTok show or whatnot, or if you watch our podcast, we are 50-50. Everything I do, I won't do. I will not do a single thing. And, you know, and, and one of our uh, producers said you should do a post-game locker room celebration at the state championship for the boys' state championship. And I said, no, if I can't do it on the girls' side, we're not doing it on the boys' side. You know, it's got to be dead even, dead even across the board. And uh, and we do, we spend a a, a a ton of time, and if you go back and listen to some of the podcasts with the stuff, we talked just as much about kindred girls as we did four wins boys. You know what I mean? Uh, it's... And we did a big thing on Maggie, Good. Maggie Fricky, and the and the Minot girls that won State A. You know, uh, I just think it's got to be even, not more, not all, just just e- equitable. And uh, but it really is going to come down to the fans understanding the urgency and the importance of the women's uh, of the women's game um, to you know to to bring it up. But you know, uh, you know, uh, I still. I agree that we need to make a safe space. I I will say this, though. There is a kind of a push to have an open division and women's division. So only naturally born women can compete in the women's division, and then anyone can compete in the open division, including women. So that's for high school, Olympics, open, and women's. Uh, I've, I've heard that as a solution. Is that something that you would find uh, reasonable. Would you support I, I something this
1: like- the, the, this is the first that that I'm I'm hearing about this. So I I like the idea that somebody's thinking of, like I said, ways to promote both women's sports and trans athletes. Um. So uh, one first of all, sports people just love sports, right? But you you know the thing like you were talking about, like the urgency you don't want to watch a game where you know um the skills aren't in alignment right because there's just not that competition like you were saying right so um i i think i i would be uh open to that as you know as long as it um you know complied with with all of the laws and that sort of thing but like i said i i really like I like the idea of that solution. Um, you know, and I think the thing that um, you know, I was I was gonna comment about women's sports here. I don't know if you knew, I think that the Nebraska, Wisconsin national championship volleyball game like had record-breaking attendance, right? Like, um, you know, so that that fan base is growing. Um, and I I think that, you know, it, it's a snowball effect, and hopefully in You know five years from now we are we are you know in a great place for all athletes um to be successful i think um the thing that we need to focus on when we're talking about this is um having compassion for other people and, and um uh just being willing to to not yell at each other and 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 like you were saying okay these open things how can we talk about it in a way that doesn't shut down the dialogue but moves it forward. So,
0: no, and I, I agree. I, think... I coached women's sports for 25 years in the college level, uh, and multiple sports too. I coached softball, women's cross country, women's track, women's oh. basketball, mostly soccer, obviously. But you know, uh, uh, I it, it's weird too because I, I got hired as a women's soccer coach three years later, I took over men's and women's soccer. Uh, both programs had really ascended. Uh, The AD came to me and said, look, maybe we should just, you should choose one or the others to get over the top, you know, and, uh, and I chose the women and uh, I felt like I had a, a, uh, a calling, a niche, uh, you know, I don't know what, but I felt like, you know, uh, helping uh, build self-esteem was, was important, you know, and I, and I enjoy it. I'm still good friends with uh, almost every girl that's played for me. I'm sure there's girls that were on the bench. Probably don't like me as much, but uh, I, you know, it is what it is. But uh, I, uh, I love all my girls. That's why and... there's a
1: transfer portal.
0: <laughs> there is a transfer portal. I, I don't agree with that, but I, uh,
1: can, I... Can, can, can. Can we talk about the transfer portal? Because we can. I feel like you know, and and and, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe I'm old. But man, don't you just have to earn that spot? Yeah. Do you know what I mean?
0: The transfer portal is wrecking sports. It's absolutely wrecking sports. And uh, it's going to be, it's just, you know, and it's wrecking young lives. It's not building lives. Kids can just get on an app and they're done. They're gone. You know, uh, coach can get on a kid and they're gone. And and Nick Saban got up and he spoke about like you know we shouldn't allow this to happen. We should ha- a- a- get these kids to fight for their spot. We should. We don't want to be afraid to hold kids accountable for their actions off or on the field. And uh, but now coaches are afraid to hold kids accountable because they'll just enter the portal. Yeah, you, know, you suspended a game. All right, I'm out. I'm going. I'm 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 entering the portal. You know, uh, and I think that that we we have lost a little bit of uh, conflict resolution skills maybe uh we're, mm-hmm. we're losing we're losing you know some grit you know uh some fight if we had to take today's young kids and storm the beaches of Normandy you know what would 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 we have the 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 intangibles <laughs> to get that done you know uh those are the things that uh i i i, I wonder <laughs> you know uh you know, uh, it's just too easy now. I mean, and I don't know. Um, I didn't have a lot of problems with the portal, but it's there.
1: Yeah. Well, and I don't, I mean, you know, I'm not, not running it and I'm not sure what the rules are, you know, like, okay. Yeah. This isn't a, a good fit for me, you know? Um, but transferring every year, just, I'm thinking about it more from a, from an academic continuity point of view, you know, like, uh, what about your studies i mean you know like it, it seems like that would be that would be hard potentially particularly as a student athlete to be able to pick that component up while you're also doing these other things so um i'm thinking about it uh, more from a is. from an academic point of view
0: well that's that's huge also and i mean a lot of the major sports they're, they're, they're just thinking dollars but and, and they're getting a lot. I mean, they, they, it's, there's a lot of money being paid to athletes. You know, uh, the the Cavender girls are making more than a million dollars each. And uh, I sat on an NIL uh, committee meeting that was on, you know, nationwide Zoom or whatever. And it was, the, the, the numbers were staggering, favoring the women than the men on the NIL deals. And, um, you know, uh, and I don't know, really? once football started, I don't know how it's changed. This was... Pr- before the first football season of NIL, but, uh, uh, yeah, no, well, I mean like now girls can, you know, you get uh, a pretty girl play, uh, sh- shooting golf and, uh, you know, or whatever, you know, and on, you know, on TikTok or something. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of that. And, uh, there's a lot of stuff with, uh, you know, Olympic swimming hopefuls and uh, future tennis stars. And, you know, those are big, big stars, can, you know, could you name the starting left tackle at Nebraska right now? I mean, like that guy's not getting paid versus uh uh someone who has a chance to go to Wimbledon. You know, uh, you know. Right, but right,
1: right. No, you you're making it. could I? No.
0: That, that's could my I name point some
1: tackles from the 90s? Sure. But the left tackle I'm for sh-
0: Nebraska this year is one of the most important pieces for the team. No, I couldn't, not this but, year.
1: No, no, no. But, my brother could, but, but I
0: couldn't. I'm just saying but. going could could most big sports fans name Justin Jefferson and uh, you know uh, Joe Burrow before they had that explosive season at LSU. It just happened, and Joe Burrow became the Heisman Trophy winner. Most people don't know. They'll know a few of the basketball, like three or four or five of the top basketball players coming in, but they don't know. But Boosters will just listen to Nick Saban and say, who's the best guy that we got to get, you know, or whatever. So um, the portal... Portals, The portal's rough. The NIL, you know, it's interesting, but you know there's a problem when Caleb Williams is QB1 at Oklahoma, one of the most sought-after quarterback spots to get to the NFL, and he puts himself on the portal for highest bidder. Academics don't matter. Tradition doesn't matter. It was just purely dollars. So that's, that's how I look at yeah, it. That- but hey it's been fantastic fantastic uh uh talking to you i really appreciate you coming on it was an interesting discussion uh i really like uh you know where you went with some of the uh, the questions especially uh you know academics (laughs) as it comes to the portal and mental uh, health yes when it comes to you know the transgender question I i think it's really important it's a unique uh perspective and uh uh i I look forward to being in Jamestown. Spainer will be on the road, and uh, and maybe we can uh, oh, you know, say excellent. hi. Oh,
1: excellent.
0: Maybe we can say yeah, hi. Yeah,
1: awesome. Well, thank you so much for letting me talk um, with you about uh, Nebraska and uh, everything adjacent to that. So I, I really uh, actually had a lot of fun. So thank you so much.
0: No problem. Thanks a lot.
2: All right, we're here at the high school segment here on the Spainer Riggs podcast, What an area that we really wanted to dive in. We kind of touched on it a little bit before, but we really wanted to take a deep dive. Uh, basically, the class system uh, being spread out through all of high school. I mean, of course, football's got technically five spots, uh, levels. We've got basketball's got two, hockey's got two, track's got two, um, what about soccer? What about one. One soccer. So with this, we wanted to see, you know, dive into it. I think we kind of agree on some of them, maybe disagree on another one, but you know, of them all, like for instance, the big one is the glaring one is basketball. I mean, especially because there's just so many teams now it's co oping I just, I'm a huge, I feel like there's just a big disparity. Um, of course we know that there's a huge disparity in talent. Of course, if anybody watches, there's no, no comparison from class A to class B, but Is there, do you think a need to be able to spread it out a little bit? Maybe move the bigger schools to a a double A and then bring down some A's, move up some B's and then give your uh, theory of credit that you think your B's are so good. But being able to do like an A and then having a B, um, I would assume the traditionalists would have a heart attack on the fact that you would remove the B and take that lure out of it. But, but what are your thoughts? I'm a pr- huge profound. I think that there should be three classes, uh, you know, based on, you know, size.
0: I, I think there should be three classes also. It should be A, B, and C. And uh, when I look at it, you have all these random co-ops. Mm-hmm. Let those school kids play for their school. You, you remove the co-ops, all those tiny ones would be in a C. Mm-hmm. Then you take your huge Bs, you know, and, uh, and, and, and all those the big B schools mm-hmm. and those private schools. Let that be your B and then hey, you have your tiny C, you know, or or if you wanna keep that big name with the you mm-hmm. go double A A B like you said. And then uh you know, but you you know, you can have your one massive division. You know what I mean? Like yep. you know, and, and then maybe your smallest A's would, would slide down into the Kindreds and the Bishop Ryan's and Shiloh's yep. and you know, uh, maybe uh what is it, uh Williston and Dickinson would come in down or whatnot. Yeah. Um, the new Minot school, maybe it's going to be smaller, or maybe Minot will be smaller. The new one will be bigger. I don't know, but uh, you know, because uh,
2: because honestly, I, like the part of the thing is, is that I feel like it's just so wishy washy, especially in the female sports. Like, you know, like Bismarck, as an example, in in ho- girls high school hockey, it's three high schools has one team. Like, how do you determine? Is it just based on youth numbers? Like, I mean, it's just how do you? Are you based on enrollment size only? Are they making cuts
0: for one team when they have three schools?
2: I don't know. That's a good question. I, I think mean, they are. I think they're, they're making cuts,
0: and then at some point you're going to have to...
2: But they have talked about it that they are supposed to be adding a second one. But... Well,
0: here's my thing. It takes 7 billion people. Obviously, I'm exaggerating. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of people to play football. Mm-hmm. When you have five divisions. No, exactly. So is basketball just so precious? You're keeping it at two or, you know... Uh...
2: Because some of those co-ops are feel like they are getting a little out of hand, to be honest with you. And maybe it is something like you really, like, you've got all, like, four high schools to create one basketball team. Let's like, really? I want
0: to see four wins boys be playing as those ages. I know.
2: <laughs> but that that should honestly be, like... You know, I know uh, uh, there's those two basketball tournaments kind of around Christmas time. They're kind of like uh, showcases or whatever. You know, there's two days worth of it. That is when they should be doing the like crossover stuff because they did it when, you know, was it uh, was it Gabby Ball and Hannah Stewart and Maddie Wald when the, they went through that you know dynasty of Bishop Ryan girls basketball. And then I can't remember, did they play Cheyenne? I think they played Cheyenne and they lost a close game. Who was the defending, I think, Class A champ. But it was awesome. And honestly, like, there's a lot of excitement there. And honestly, truth be told, kind of the biggest underlining thing is, I think that that this tiering system would benefit the high school athletes at the next level. Because, of course, the challenge, of course, with some of these sports is exposure, right? You want to get exposure, get a look. You know, there's always, you know... I don't know what you want, uh, you know what I mean. Uh, Do you know what I'm saying to right
0: that right now? Bishop Ryan and four winds will be, will, will be able to compete with any class A next year.
2: Uh, yeah, Bishop
0: Ryan next year is going to be
2: legit. now. Compete as in, would you throw them in like the west region and see them come out of the west? I, well, mean, I think they
0: take top four in the west next year, really? Yeah, Holy yeah. Cow. come on, man. come on. You're not tell me the four winds would have taken top four in the east.
2: Oh jeez. Uh, I mean, hey, I, but I
0: don't even know that Four Winds wouldn't win A. Oh my goodness. Four Winds has three or four kids that are going to be playing big time college oh, basketball. Oh yeah. Player, man. They're good.
2: Well, and the, uh, the
0: Slim Reaper brought buddy.
2: But it would honestly though, it's 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 a lot of intrigue, right? I mean, the football there's no question, there's no way that any of that would happen. I mean, because the reason why is you get a, a situation like Velva who is, I believe, whatever it is, tier three in true size, but had to apply for a waiver to move up because they are a perennial powerhouse and they did get it. So I think because their enrollment doesn't allow them, they could go down a level and they would win the state championship year after year, especially with what Sandy's done with that program. We talk about culture and your high school sports and like drawing all of the best athletes of that school play football, you know, kind of similar to what they do with wrestling. And then of course, they have volunteer basketball, but would you be able to do that in this system? Would there be like you know, European soccer where relegation and stuff? I don't know. What do you know?
0: To me, it should be by class, uh, school size. That's it. Hire a coach that builds a program. Bottom line is, if you hire a good coach and they build a program and they get the culture to drop all the way into the youth and they start drawing athletes, you're going to be successful, not just on the field but if you have a good coach, your kids will be successful off the field and in the classroom. And that's how high school sports, what high school sports are about. Being a member of your community, being good in the classroom, and being fundamentally sound and playing to win for your community.
2: Now, that's obviously the recipe, but <laughs> I I and I know obviously with your high school success when you were coaching it, but I just don't see that there's enough continuity and enough dedication Within you know all of the programs, unilaterally, you know what I mean? Like, there's I mean, it feels like whenever we, whenever I statement
0: any ad, any principal, any community, you want a good football team, hire someone that's going to put the DNA of their program all the way through the youth, Mm -hmm. you want a good soccer program, hire someone who's going to build it all the way down. I mean, if you're teaching your system. When they get to varsity, you're not going to be very good. If you're teaching your system, you know, and I I like, look, when I coached high school and I was in a much bigger state and we won CIF, California Interscholastic Federation titles, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of them. I coached the six-year-olds, the seven-year-olds, the eight-year-olds, the nine-year-olds. And because I just didn't want to lose. And I took, I had some lean years. And then when they finally got to this high school, it was, uh.
2: There's just not that type of get your
0: popcorn ready to throw No,
2: it's I, yeah. <laughs> no. And you're you're absolutely right, but that's the that's the challenge though, because honestly, when I when you read like the whatever, Mana Daily News or follow some of these guys on social media, it seems like there's just a revolving door of coaching changes. There's some staples, you know, that don't get me wrong, that have been there for a while, but like it just seems like I mean, even, you know, Bishop Ryan, you know, you think about how many coaches they had there for the last you know decade? It seems like three or four. And now Brody's finally, I think, honestly, Brody's going to be a long-term solution there. He's a Bishop Ryan guy, and and I mean he he went from you know our Redeemers to Bishop Ryan. I feel like he he'll be there forever, and that's just one of his goals is Wait, to be just it, the powers. But you know what it's I mean? A good point. I'll tell you you it's, know what I mean?
0: If a school's hiring a coach to win games, yep, they're just not going about it the right way. No. If they're hiring a coach to build people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To develop kids, you know, uh, in the classroom, understand the importance of their community. Then it's worth it. You go out and find that person. If you're yeah. if you're going to get, you know, some amazing basketball coach that doesn't care about anything but winning a ring or whatever, then you're just not going to be very successful. No. You know, uh, uh, and then it's become it becomes purely transactional and not transformational, mm-hmm. in my opinion.
2: Wow. Well. Well, and like you said, with three, I mean, the same thing you talk about basketball could revolve into hockey. I mean, what about track? I would have thought that that would have been all just one. I mean, because track's one of those outlying ones where a lot of these sports require depth and these smaller schools don't have depth, right? I mean, football's simple. Even in basketball, you know, to get, you know, eight to nine guys to be make a tangible roster requires bodies. Track and field... You're the fastest. You're the longest jumper, high jumper, yeah. shot put. You think about why they wouldn't it. have one class for for track, or is well, it just too many kids? Or I what? I think
0: that they should have one class for the individual record uh, events. Yep. And then two classes for the team scoring.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: California's got one class for everything in track. <laughs> North Dakota's got two. It's just, it, it must have been a wild
2: state meet then, or whatever it is. I mean, how many kids crazy. are percent uh, participate?
0: 19, I want to say 89 or 1990, 1989, I think. A small school, one California state track meet with two kids.
2: No way. Well, I mean, you got
0: like, there's like 300 schools per section, right? So yeah. there's, there's eight sections or nine sections. There's like 2,000 plus schools. and uh, But uh, a kid named Richard Kalista wins the uh, pole vault. Okay. 15-6, I think he got, right? And then Reggie Williams doubles in the mile and two mile. Which is nearly impossible in California because they have to run a heat in the mile, and then they got to run the final in the mile, and then they got to run a final in the two mile. Oh boy! So it's all in two days, right? So and you know, and he's a sub four guy, like a 404 and to three fifty. They
2: they still whatever. use they still use the imperial system for that, or they don't yeah. use metric like the rest of the world, or No, well, I don't know. Sixteen hundred. <laughs> <guys, laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, anyway, yep. uh,
0: they uh, so he, they get thirty points right there, and then I think Reggie Williams was like a forty-eight foot triple jumper as well. He also was like a twenty-five point basketball guy. He Seems won like the a cross game. country, and he was the MVP of the soccer league too.
2: Seems like uh, these guys are <laughs> I mean, like, it's, it's like what do you call it? these? Are like decat? What do you call decat? Heptathletes uh, or whatever? Uh, like like yeah. like yeah. yeah. Decathlons or whatever? Yeah.
0: So, but anyway, this little small school ended up getting like thirty some points. But when you spread that over the whole state, mm-hmm. and Hawthorne, which was like a perennial state champion, because they, mm-hmm. you know, they'd be like one, two, five in the hundred meter. They win the four by one hundred. You know, yeah. like on and on and on. Uh, I think they beat Hoff. They clipped Hoffmann by one point. <laughs> Crazy. But that's uh, yeah. What have. That's like Hoosiers and. Uh, oh,
2: I love that basketball. movie. Absolutely. But movie. I mean, it's but it's it's. A, I mean, again, the track and field seems like it's a, you know, natural, you know, synergy with it. But girls' soccer has won, right? Should they be splitting that Rose out?
0: Got one. Is there just not enough teams? But I'll tell you right now, Minot can fill two teams right now that can both make state and make a run. Absolutely. I mean, they won the state championship 6-0, and it was 6-0 early in that game. They could have, like the Burke girls didn't play in the second half. Mm. They had a backup goalie playing center forward in the the second half. Boy, yikes. You know what I mean? So, um, Speaking of that, let's talk a little spring sports. Okay. Dickinson's off to their start in softball and baseball and they're legit in both. For sure. It looks like uh Grand Forks Red Rivers off to a fast start. They came over west though. I think they kind of put a beat down on Minot and uh, Williston. Okay. Um you know uh Minot High Softballs undefeated. So maybe we get a big battle between uh, And you know Minot what? And, uh, uh, Minot and Dickinson will be a good game. And play. I
2: just want to interject. I mean, I I think it kind of goes back to what you said earlier about where fast pitch is going because up until what, four years ago, five years ago, there really wasn't any structure to youth girls fast pitch. And, you know, Thor Nelson's been kind of a big spearhead. There's other ones involved, but being able to actually get some structure, get some organization. And then of course the, being able to uh, build the new uh, renovations to the softball complexes, which, you know, North Dakota, I mean, your, your weather, I mean, like even right now, the weather we're getting right now, snowstorm. I bet people don't realize in, Obviously, we've got most of our followers and people that watch from North Dakota, but you know we're getting hammered with snow. Is theoretically that snow could be down to uh, weather being decent on Friday or Saturday? You just brush it off and you can play. If that'd been natural grass, that's I'll see you later in a week, if not longer. Yeah. If that two feet of snow but sits Dickens there and lingers, the
0: example, they won the state softball championship, ten to zero. And they're one of the smallest classes, It
2: is, right? yeah.
0: You know, uh, I don't know, maybe Wapiton's smaller, I don't know, you know. But my point is, you know, if you get someone solid, you can get it running. Interesting game, though, I went to uh, Minot High versus Mandan High. And Mandan kind of gave the guarantee, you know, that they were. And Minot put them down 5-1. to one. Um, Actually, Minot's they're good mm-hmm. and uh macy burke still hurts you got the uh she's okay not cleared on not think till next week with the broken collarbone oh body. boy so uh yikes but uh,
2: you know what like but you'll see though those numbers have grown here in minot's region so now you will hopefully see like we talked about we talked about off the air about you know developing your youth programs and getting more numbers and then eventually it'll lead to you know strength in numbers as you get older but you know back before, like I said, five years ago, there, there was no structure, no nothing. Now you've got organization from Minot Youth Fast Pitch, and now you've got proper leagues, you've got you know, age groups, and now you're seeing more numbers. because I, It does. Because it does. I'm, my daughter plays in the U8s, and I think like three years ago there was no such thing as U8s Fast Pitch. Now there's four teams just in Minot playing. So now you've got, say, 40-ish odd girls, and if they keep on progressing and moving, you're going to have an upward trend, you know,
0: Numbers help they do but DNA or system into the DNA is what makes your team into a dynasty and uh, You know and 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna beat a horse till it's dead But system into the DNA is more than just fundamentals. It's developing the person Mm. when you develop the person you know the kids take on like you know, their sophomore year, between their junior year, they, they start to work out for their teammates. They start to work out because they want their community to win. You know, mm-hmm. they start to work out for more than themselves. You know, uh, when you're building people, you know, you're, you're, yeah. you're adding to your community, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that you will hopefully see that. And, you know, the big thing, too, in my not, which I think is across the landscape, too, which is I've learned in all of sports is – if you build it, they will come kind of like the field of dreams thing. And the same thing is with facilities. I experienced it as a Canadian in Saskatoon when they built the first major indoor soccer complex, which had four indoor arenas. And they had this kind of little walking path and youth numbers got really big. And then they built another monster one on another side of the city where they got two youth indoor ones. And then in the middle a full size, you know 100 yard uh, soccer field indoors and shoot the numbers exploded and Massive you talk about Canada point. huge cuz now kids can play but, year round and it you know
0: let me add to it you know you're talking about a winter city in the midwest yep. in Canada so you're building indoor facilities mm-hmm. so it's giving someone something to do mm-hmm. still doesn't matter you build a badass sure. stadium yeah. you know you're going to you're going to add you're going people going to want to come see it right you know, Cowboys open a new stadium. People come to see it, right? Players want to play there. So everything you're saying is true. But look at NCAA World Series baseball, Division One. Okay. Almost every team that makes the World Series every year is below the I-10. Oh, boy. Now, obviously, weather is a factor. Just yeah. like what you're saying, weather is yeah. a factor. Yeah. Where do all the former baseball players and coaches retire? Pretty much below yeah. Arizona yeah. and Florida. Am I for wrong? sure, yeah. Southern California yeah. and whatever. I agree. You know, so you, you know, like, if you're in Spain, they have more than 13,000 UEFA A-licensed coaches. Okay, there's no clue. Like England's got like 5,000, just to give you an example, mm-hmm. right? So all the coaches bleed all the way into the youth, right? All these, you know, there's mm-hmm. not enough places for them. For when sure. When you look at below the I-10 in baseball, all these former major leaguers are coaching their kids and whatnot. It bleeds all the way into the youth. So, I mean, I believe that if you get the the face mm-hmm. of someone who's building it the right way in a transformational way, I think it's a lot easier to get the facility. And I, 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 I think believe if, it. If, if what you're saying is, is a big part of it. Facility, the face, you can have a legendary dynasty.
2: Because uh, I would honestly think that if both UND and NDSU didn't have indoor domes, there is no way they're recruiting kids to come up here and play. Even though culture is good, that would be a nightmare playing outside. I don't know. And you see the same thing. I mean, like, uh, geez, it gets me miserable cold, but, you know, it kind of ties into it. But you're absolutely right. You have to connect the dots um, and being able. I wonder that that could be the, the movement that could be starting to happen here with basketball. You know, now you got the new basketball training facility. You know, uh, my good buddy Wade Williamson's got his place kind of in the shop now, and he's got plugged with kids uh, with Blueprint Basketball. And what's happened is, again, he just built a court in a shop and my daughter was one of the first kids. There was only like three or four of them and then it spreads like wildfire and in the wintertime, you can't get gym space in Minot anywhere and all of a sudden, boom, two nights a week, he's got kids in there all the time and now I'm seeing pictures. They've got teams that are like renting it and stuff and it's growing. So I think you're like, kind of like you said, a combination of two and you need that. But I you know, I think problem, part of the problem, what's happened in maybe a lot of youth sports is There hasn't been any coaching for coaches. Like you said, some of the stuff you're talking about, like for me, you know, my learning that I've learned a lot was through major conventions in Florida where I get to see all Division I coaches, NHL coaches, and they talk about everything. They go from, like, what they would do in X's and O's to culture and all that stuff. You can't get any of that stuff around here, especially in hockey. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, I remember... And, you know, you know that's a big thing. Are coaches
0: just doing it to win? Or are they doing it for the kids? I know.
1: You know. Uh,
2: I think the ones that, that have that
1: their...
0: that's a new the new it, type of coach now. It is, is pretty self serving, I think.
2: Uh, for sure, especially the ones that are you know obviously trying to maybe use it as potentially a stepping stone and 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 not you know developing it. And you know you see it at the at the college level, especially like the Division Twos and the Division Threes. Division Three hockey. I mean those guys. I mean, to exception of maybe about a third of them. The other two-thirds, you know, they're just trying to make sure they get seen and, you know, win a few games and maybe go on one one tournament run that just gets them to the next level, right? Whereas, you know, some of these coaches have been doing it for decades have won multiple national championships. So. Let's find out what they Can't think. Agree. Uh, tell
0: us what you guys think. Uh, North Dakota basketball, let's, let's put that one on one side. Three-tier, two-tier. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and if there's another sport that interests you and you think, you know, is football I have too many divisions that have not enough divisions, I can't imagine no, of no, them. No, no. I know. But uh, all the uh, baseball, softball, you know, some of these sports, they have nine people. It might be a lot tougher for them, I don't, you know, than uh, to go to more divisions, maybe you got to go up. Uh, let us know.
2: Another great episode here at Spainer and Riggs. We're excited for next week. we got some pretty cool special guests. We're going to dive into... Uh, NASCAR, talking a little bit of racing, which we all know the history here in Minot. We're also gonna talk a little girls' basketball, specifically out in Grafton and South Dakota. We got a great interview probably coming up for that, which is gonna be really exciting. And then of course, it's a snowstorm of the century. We got a big contest. You're gonna watch out here. We got some gifts to go out. We wanna see the best snow angel with this two feet of snow, which is gonna be exciting. So we wanna see your best one. Tag us on TikTok. And make sure you uh, let us know at Spain and Riggs.